You are listening to I Survived the Wild Outdoors podcast, where real outdoors men and women share their heroic tales of survival. I'm your host, Brad Mathewson, and this is their story. Hello, everyone. My wife and I have snuck away to the basement, down to the podcast room. The kids are finally asleep, and we decided to mix it up a little bit today. So we're going to do a survival tale. This is a little bit of surviving something crazy in the outdoors and our 2009 disaster of a honeymoon story. So, hello, Laura. Hi. So, my wife, Laura, and I have been married 15 years now. And I don't know how. (laughs) Surprisingly, after you hear this story, you're going to wonder, man, there was grounds for for, uh, divorce. So anyways, we're going to jump in a little time machine. And we're going to go back to 2009. My wife and I get married in the winter of January 24th, 2009. We hadn't had a honeymoon planned at all. And in the back of my head, I really, really, really wanted to go to Canada. And Laura, where did you want to go? Like an all-inclusive, something warm. Not quite the same vision as Brad. Like a Florida, maybe? Or somewhere tropical. A little more tropical. (laughs) So we got married. We didn't have a honeymoon planned. And we were driving somewhere. And on the radio popped up an advertisement. And it was for the All Canada Show. It was a traveling show. Uh, It was really popular back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And they traveled all around the United States. And it was... Canadian Outfitters, and they all had their little kioskas, and, and uh, they would meet at these big conference centers. Typically, it'd be about like a hundred of them. Anyways, so I told her, I said, "Hey, let's go to the All Canada Show." Thinking, should go there, see the, the beautiful pictures and the scenery, and the nice lodge owners, and maybe she can forget about the <laughs> tropical warmth and suntan and mosquitoes. And go somewhere a little more quiet, like Canada, to maybe fish for muskies. Which at the time in my life, I was getting uh, a little more serious about muskie fishing. And I always wanted to go to Canada, to Lake of the Woods, and fish muskies. So I get her to the All Canada show. And we go around, and we probably meet with 15 different lodge owners. They're all awesome people. We get it back out to the vehicle and she's going through brochures on the way home. And I said to her, I said, well, what do you, what do you think? Do you remember what you thought, honey? Well, I must've been crazy. I just spent the whole day listening. If you obviously know Brad from his podcast, talking outdoors and trying to convince me what a great opportunity this would be. So I'm sure I was like, oh, here we go. Maybe just agreeing along. So fast forward a little bit we to the next day. Uh, my family owns a custom cabinet shop. And we're on the job site installing cabinets for a local contractor. Well, this local contractor I knew was a hardcore musky guy. And him and his brothers had been going to the Lake of the Woods for over 20 years. And they set up like a muskie camp and they would go for a week at a time and just fish muskies like 13 hours a day 
on the water and uh, they'd actually leave the lodge in the morning and wouldn't come back till the evening and they'd just fish muskies all day long. So in my head I thought, man, this would be perfect. They go to Canada all the time. Maybe we could go there the same week. Now we have someone to follow up there, drive back, show us along around the lake and kind of cut down on the learning curve a little bit. So I got to working on the uh, talking to my buddy Jerry, and he's like, oh, you know what? Maybe you should come along with us. There's a lodge we stay at all the time. Um, I'll give you the phone number. So that evening, without my wife knowing, when I got home, I called up to Ontario, and I called up to this lodge. And the guy answered the phone, and the first thing he says is, yeah, what do you want? And I'm thinking, <laughs> What kind of lodge owner says that to a potential customer? And so I ask him a series of questions, and each answer is either yeah, no, or I don't know. I never get more in-depth answer than that. So at the end of our very brief, maybe two-minute conversation, he says, you can find the rest of the information you want online and then just hangs up on me so i'm like man i got a bad taste in my mouth and this is i can't these guys go there all the time this is how people are treat us i mean we were just at the all canada show and i thought everybody was over the top friendly so i'm back on the job site the next day and i talked to my buddy jerry i tell him what happened and he he's like oh he doesn't own the lodge his mom owns it Call back tonight, ask for his mother, and talk to her. So that night, unbeknownst to Laura again, <laughs> I call back up there, and I ask for this guy's mother, and she's not there. But his wife is there. I'm thinking, oh, she's going to be exactly like this guy is. I get her on the phone, and we talk for like an hour. She's the nicest lady I've ever met. Very personable. Asked lots of questions. I told her, we're newlyweds. We want to come up for a nice honeymoon. Um, you know, we want to fish, but we want to do some other things also. And the lady's like, oh, don't worry, Brad. I'll set up the greatest honeymoon suite you can ever imagine. I have all kinds of surprises and, and stuff for you guys to do. And it'll just be awesome. You, you, you just really love your stay up here. So I loved it so much after I got done talking to her. I pulled out my credit card and I put a down payment on the uh, the honeymoon vacation. Kind of without my telling my wife at the time. So what did you think, honey, when I, I told you that uh, I had booked a trip to uh, Lake of the Woods? It obviously wasn't quite what I had imagined. I still don't know how I possibly agreed. There must have been... Some illusion of different opportunities. Um, not that I don't love the outdoors, but the idea of going away with not just my husband, but hanging out with his buddies and fishing all day isn't really what every girl imagines. Oh, so I forgot to tell you, when I went to book it, I actually asked the lady, I said, um, what week do uh, my friends come up and stay? She told me the week. I said, yep, that's the week I want to book then. So we're supposed to go up on a... Saturday 
It was basically a Saturday to Saturday. So told my wife, she seemed, I guess, somewhat happy or maybe didn't want to tell me that's not what she really wanted to do, but wanted to help fulfill my dream of always going fishing in Canada. So as the summer gets closer, I'm buying stuff for, for our trip and, and talking to my friend. And, and uh, I just have a small uh, 16-foot modified V. It's basically a flat-bottom boat with a little taper to it. And that is not what you want to bring to Lake of the Woods. So Lake of the Woods, the area we were at is uh, Sabascom Bay. So we were actually in Ontario. Um, you can actually fish the United States side or go across the border and fish um, up in Ontario side. So that's where we were at. So Sabascon Bay has 250,000 acres. They have over 10,000 islands. And you have to have a GPS on your boat. Well, this is back in 2009. So technology was just coming out for GPSs, and they're fairly pricey. I mean, even a 5-inch unit at the time was like 1000 bucks. So... I'm buying little toys and stuff and putting it on the boat, not really telling the wife too, <laughs> too much what stuff cost. And uh, so about a week out from the trip, I'm on a job site again, and Jerry's there. And he's like, oh, can't wait to get going this next Friday. And I'm like, Friday? I thought we were leaving on Saturday. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, says to his brother, Hey, Steve, when do we always go to Canada? And Steve's like, Friday. You know that, Brad. I'm like, how how would I possibly know that? You didn't, I've never gone with you guys. Oh, we always leave on Friday. I'm like, well, you told me Saturday. He's like, that's fine. Just meet us there up the next day. I said, Jerry, the whole point was for me to follow you guys up there because I have no idea where I'm going. So I call my wife at work. And she's not happy because she has one vacation day left the entire year and she wanted to save it. So she asked her boss if she had the day off, an extra day off basically. And so then we were set. We we're going to leave on Friday. So that Friday came. We met at a local gas station where they always meet before they run on their trip. We got our coffee and some snacks, jumped in the truck, and off to Canada we went. Now, my buddies are like, at the time, Laura and I were like early 30s. I'm 30. Laura's actually at the time, what, 26 probably. And my buddies at the time are all in their 60s. And, but they have the energy of 13-year-old boys. So they take off. And we're in Wisconsin right now, so they take off, and within an hour, they're gone. We can't even see them anymore. So the plan was to drive up to Superior, cross the border into Minnesota, and shortly across the border uh, near Duluth, we would stop and uh, have our lunch at a BP gas station slash subway. So we're driving along, and I kind of knew my way up to Superior. So about a couple hours into it, um, well, actually, at, 
yeah, a couple hours into it, I call my buddy and he's like, yep, you're going on the right way. I just wanted to call and confirm I was going the right way. And he said, when you come into Superior, you want to make sure you're in such and such lane because if you're in the wrong lane, you could end up going to the Twin Cities or the, you know, you want, so you want to be in a certain lane and it's pretty heavy traffic through that area at that time of the day. So when you're with a truck and trailer, you want to make sure you're in such and such lane. Oh, fine. So I thought, well, why don't we stop for a pee break? No, I, we're actually about five hours in because I think it's, we left at six and it's about 11 o'clock. And uh, I got to pee bad. I look over at my wife and she's struggling. <laughs> so I told my buddy, I said, hey, why don't you stop at the next place and, and uh, we'll kind of catch back up. And uh, he's like, nope. He's like, I'm stopping in Superior. So anyways, we pull over, get in and out as fast as we can, jump back into the vehicle. Now we have to go through the Superior area by ourselves. We figure it all out. We get into Minnesota, and we pull up to the first BP slash Subway gas station, and there's no Jerry, and there's no Steve. We're like, what in the hell? I know we couldn't have passed them. I mean, they had to have been... 45 minutes on us for sure. Just then, phone rings. It's Jerry. Brad, where are you? Uh, I'm at the BP gas station with my wife. He's like, BP? He's like, no, no, no. You're supposed to be at, um, remember what gas station was? Oh, I can't. Sidco. You're supposed to be at the Sidco gas station slash subway. Sorry about that. We always stop there. You know that. I'm like, <laughs> okay. So apparently they're about five minutes down the road. He's like, you better hurry up. We're about to leave. So we get down the road as fast as we can. Get to the gas station. There they are outside. Finishing up their subway. He's like, you better hurry up. We're going to be boogieing out. And uh, and I'm sure my wife wasn't too happy at the time, were you? Mm-hmm. No, I think I probably had to make some of the calls, too. I was thinking of when we got to the bigger part of the city, too. We had some panic calls not to get in the wrong lane. So things were already a little tense, I feel like. (laughs) See, my buddies, they weren't worried about getting up there themselves. They'd been up there for, you know, 20 times already. But at the time, 2009, we were rocking flip phones, no smartphones. And the GPS we had at the time, you always had to update it every year uh, via computer, you plug it in and, um, I don't think I had updated it. So it wasn't working all that well. So I was kind of worried. I wanted to make sure we got there. And, uh, so we get back in the vehicles and those boys are, they take off. It's like they're, you're trying to follow some NASCAR drivers and we're in an older F-150 pickup truck and, uh, yeah, they're gone in no time. I'm like, oh man. Couple minutes down the road, Jerry calls me back. He's like, "Hey, Brad, we're gonna be. We're not gonna go through International Falls. We're gonna go through Baudette. So we want to travel such and such area. We're gonna take this back road, and but you can't miss the turn, and that's gonna take you into Baudette. It's kind of a, it's not marked real well. So I'm like, well, that would have made sense for us to all to stay together. He's like, oh, you'll find it. You'll find it. I'm like, oh man." So quite a while into the drive where we should be hitting this road any second. And all of a sudden I hear, hey, hey, hey. 
I look, there they are standing next to the road as I zoom past the road. They're all parked, their vehicles parked there waving at us as we zip past. Luckily, about a mile down the road, there was a turnaround. We turn back around, come back, meet up with them. We get up to get up to them and, uh, yeah, we figured you'd, you'd miss, so we thought we'd stop for you. So that was the only time, nice thing they actually did for us is <laughs> stood and wait for us. Like I said, they're, they were in fishing mode because I think it's about a 10, 11-hour trip to get there. And if you got there early enough, you could get maybe – three hours of fishing time on the water on Friday. So that was their big, big deal is like get on the water, maybe establish a little bit of a pattern. So that way Saturday morning when they got up, they had a pattern or they had some fish that they raised and kind of marked so they could come back to those fish early in the morning and see if they could try to get those followers into eaters. So we get up to the border and I'm in kind of a panic mode. I'd never been across the border. Laura and I had just gotten passports at the All Canada show. And uh, Jerry and Steve are ahead of us. And I had a friend who back in 2001, nope, I, 2002, 9-11 happened in 2001. So in 2002, him and some college buddies decided during spring break, hey, let's go up to Canada. And they kind of have a, a bad experience, but it was their own fault. So long story short, they, they uh, drive up to Canada. They cross through at uh, International Falls. And at the border, they're asked, they always ask you some simple questions. What are you doing here? How long are you going to stay? Um, do you have any business here? Anyway, so they get to the border and they ask them, hey, what, what are you doing here? And they're like, you know, college boys. Like, ah, we're here to bang some Canadian broads. And the lady's like, what? Yeah, we're gonna, we're up here to party. So it didn't leave a very good impression on her. And uh, they let them through into the country. Uh, they drove about 30 miles out of town, pulled onto a logging road, and kind of set up a makeshift camp. Got a big bonfire going. About 1230 at night, they're partying it up. That music blaring, big fire roaring, drinking beer. All of a sudden, a a vehicle pulls up with a spotlight on them, basically. And here walks out that same Border Patrol agent. And they're like, hey, you here to party with us? And she's like, all business. She's like, you guys have a camping permit? And my buddy's like, no. Well, you know, you're illegally camping on crown lands. We also have a burning ban right now. So it's illegal to be burning anything. She looks around, there's beer bottles all over the ground. So she wanted to cite them for for littering also. So she's like, the next day when you wake up, get your butt back to the border, you're out. So she actually threw them out of Canada. So they get back to the border the next day. And they're, they think it's all a big joke, you know. They get them through customs. Uh, they have them pull over. They go through their vehicle. Had them all standing outside the vehicle. And one of the guys uh, had a big bag. So the border patrol agent walks up to the bag, just starts to open it, 
And the guy guy yells, no, 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 not that bag. Two of the Border Patrol agents turn around, weapons drawn, force these five guys onto the ground, handcuff them, and take them in the holding cell. And they interrogate each one for an hour. So they're there for five hours, an hour each. Tell them that they are not welcome in Canada ever again. So as Laura and I are sitting at in the line waiting to go through, this is going through my head. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, don't say anything stupid. Don't think, don't smart off to this people. Just be polite. Just get through. So we go through, ask a couple simple questions. I'm like sweating bullets and we get through. I'm like, oh, thank God. We get through. We get through and we're looking around town and of course my buddies are gone once again. As we're driving through all the outside of town, we notice a store. And there their trucks are. We go into the store, purchase a few items. Um, anything if you ever bought in Canada is about twice what it is inside the United States. I don't know how they afford stuff up there. It's crazy. But anyways, we cruise up to the lodge finally. Those guys, like I said, they're all in fishing mode. They pull up, back their boats in, get them on the dock, get their stuff going, and they're they're trying to get out on the water as fast as possible to so get the last three hours of fishing in. Laura and I get out, go to the lodge, and who do we meet? That same friendly guy named Ben that I had talked to on the phone that day. I'm like, hey, Ben. Brad, Laura, Matthewson. We're here for our honeymoon. He's like, oh, I'm busy. Come back in a few minutes. No hi, no hello, no how was your trip? Nothing. Not an ounce of warmth at all toward us. Even though we're spending all this money at his lodge and just traveled 10, 11 hours to get here. So we wait a few minutes. I go to his office, knock on the door. He's like, yeah, come in. We go in there, get our licenses. Now, this guy wanted to charge, and, you know, whatever. I'm. He wanted to charge for ice, backing in the boat, the boat sitting next to the dock every day. There, I mean, there was fees for everything, and maybe that's just standard. I mean, I've been to resorts up in Canada before, or after this and some guys do that some guys don't but this guy wanted to also back in my boat i'm like i'm back in my boat all the time and he's like oh it's very complicated to try to get back in there yeah it was kind of a cruddy back but he wanted to use his tractor and charge us another 20 bucks for putting in a boat and taking out a boat and so i told him no thanks and i think that kind of irritated him too and we also brought our own gas up so that kind of really <laughs> didn't make him real happy he wanted us to buy the expensive gas up there but Anyways, we get the boat in, get the boat docked to pull up to our our uh, our little honeymoon suite we were supposed to stay at. And as we walk up, this cabin that I had seen in the photograph looked like the photograph was taken in 1950. The inside looked like You'd spent, you'd taken thousands of guys, running through the cabin, not changed out the carpet, painted walls. Um, they must have done, I can't even tell you how many fish fries inside that place. The ceilings were just yellow. 
What did you think when we walked into that cabin, honey? Hmm. Well, not the Hilton you were expecting. No. And then I remember this sounds silly, but we had talked like if it was raining or something. Like I think I brought around some books and maybe some like DVDs. Oh, at least you could watch movies and relax. And there wasn't even that. We found out. Oh, but the main surprise too was when we walked into <laughs> let's just call it the master suite, and it consisted of two twin beds. So yeah. Yeah, twins or singles, they were really tiny, yeah. and they were cots. But that's not even the point. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, I guess we'll really be camping out. Yeah, there was, and uh, it looked like they hadn't cleaned from the last group that had been in. So I remember my wife saying, Good, look for some cleaning supplies. So I look under the cabinet and found some cleaning supri- supplies and started cleaning up. There was no surprise honeymoon suite. There was nothing special at all. They didn't do anything for us. Uh, we're just another group coming in, basically. And so we were really disappointed, and I know my wife was extremely disappointed in that because it was more of a, um, basically like a like a hunting shack. You know, it's fine for the guys, but it's not something you want to bring your new bride out to. And uh, I thought, oh, man, this is not – it's this is going bad right off the bat. I mean, the guy is not friendly. The place is – a dump, it's not what's in the picture. And I'm thinking, oh, man, we better have some nice weather. And uh, the fish better be biting in order to make up for this. So we get everything unpacked. And uh, we th- try to forget about the crummy accommodations. And uh, my buddies are chomping at the bed to get out. So the plan for the day was we had like three hours left. So we were going to cruise out. You know, uh, about a mile and a half, two miles out, there's a group of islands. Um, This guy's cabin, or lodge, I should say, is kind of in a protected bay. There's a big open basin near him. And as the waves and wind, as the wind builds, it it comes across this big basin. And even with a 15-mile-an-hour wind, you'll get three-footers once you get out of the protective um, bay. So that's why... But which is okay because you can. There's all all kinds of islands you can kind of tuck behind, and then you can get out of this bay. And then, um, like I said, there's like ten thousand islands, and I'm not exaggerating. You have to have a GPS and watch your track line. There's also lines on the map, uh, travel lines that you're supposed to stay into because obviously this entire lake isn't mapped. And they shouldn't call it Lake of the Rocks because there are rocks everywhere. You got to really be careful and bring an extra prop. So we decided to go out, like I said, about a mile and a half, two out, two miles out to these group of islands. And we we're going to kind of just fish around them for the evening and see if we could raise some muskies for the next day. So as we're going out, the sky is getting darker and darker. And uh, the waves are starting to build a little bit. And I could tell on my wife's face, like, this isn't, this isn't good. What did you think at the time, honey? Oh, I was probably already less than thrilled at that point. And it was just getting dark out and just had mixed feelings about the whole thing. So you could tell something was brewing, but... You know, me being excited and, and uh, being a musky fisherman, Noah's like, oh, yeah, when when the weather's turning, that's when the fish turn on. Barometric pressure changes a little bit, and it, it gets the fish biting. 
So I'm thinking, oh man, you got a front moving in. Oh, the fish are going to be, the fish are going to be biting. This is going to be good. So as we get out of the protective bay and uh, the waves and the wind is moving from basically west to east. And now it's hitting the side of my boat. So, and like I said, I'm running a modified V. So I'm not cutting through the waves. I'm kind of basically like surfboard style up and over. But we had about two, I would say two footers at the time. So it wasn't too bad. I mean, you'd, I was told that my boat would be fine. And as you'll soon find out, I should have had a deep V. So we start fishing and my wife didn't want to fish because it was, like I said, it was rocking and rolling basically. And we're casting windblown points. And we're probably, you know, we're kind of all staying together. We're all within about a quarter mile. And just then, the clouds turn from gray to black. I mean black. And the wind starts to pick up. And I'm thinking, oh, no, this isn't bad. I start bellering, and my buddy Jerry hears me. And he comes over. And he's like, Brad. He's like, there's a big storm coming. He's like, usually on the Lake of the Woods, a storm will pop up. He's like, it won't last more than half an hour tops. and It'll blow out. He's like, but there's no way we can get back across that, that open water section back to the lodge. He's like, there's no way. We're going to have to go up to that protective islands. It's about three quarters of a mile away. I told him, I said, Jerry, I can't cut through the waves. I said, you're going to have to get ahead of me. So the plan was for Jerry to drive ahead. And those deep Vs, is, if you've ever been behind them, they almost like cut the waves and you you come up behind another boat and you're in there basically you're protected. You're in their wash. So they're just breaking waves for you and, and you can be fine. You can get away with uh, traveling through some bigger water in a smaller boat that way. But the, the key is to stay near each other. You, if one guy gets too far ahead, it's done. So... Like I said, the, the wind's starting to pick up, and just like that, it slams us. Wind picks up 50 miles an hour. The rain is coming down. We, uh, I look over at my wife, and she's, she's crying. What did you think at the time, honey? No, it was scary. I remember our rain gear, and you. I remember watching you drive the boat, and it was even hard to see, like the, way, the rain was hitting us in the faces. Yeah, so I'm in, like, panic mode already. So I look over and she's crying. We grab the life jackets. And this storm, I've never seen anything like it. I've been fishing a lot of years. I've been in a lot of storms, but I've never seen anything like it. Wind picked up 50 miles an hour. We had four footers. I'm in this tiny little modified V. And this thing sits about six inches off the water. It was raining so hard that within about two minutes... My buddy Jerry pulled away. I couldn't see 10 feet in front of the boat. It was, it was raining so hard, I actually wiped my eyes. I could see for about two, three seconds, and the rain would basically hit me in the face so hard, my eyes have to close just to protect you know my, my eyes, basically. I had no vision at all. The GPS on my boat often goes out because I suppose the wind and everything else and how nasty it was out. 
And there we are, just up and down, up and down, up and down. I can't cut through the waves. I'm just kind of, basically, as I come up on a wave, it wants to push my boat over. And as I go down the other side, I hit the throttle and throttle back down. And I'm kind of playing this game and then trying to wipe my eyes. All of a sudden, my feet feel extra wet. And I look down on the floor, and I have about 10 inches of water in the bottom of my boat. I got the bilge pump pumping full bore. And I'm now in full panic mode. I think at that moment, too, I looked over and I was like, oh, gosh. Like, I could see the terror on your face, too. Like I'm holding. I mean, you were trying to reassure me the whole time, but I think I was like, oh, gosh. like this. <laughs> now, if I tell you people this, I've never been so scared in my entire life. Now, I don't know if I've ever told my wife this, but I honestly thought we're dead. I thought, I here, I planned this trip. I brought my wife up to Canada. She didn't want to come. We're out here the first day. And we're both going to drown out on Lake of the Woods. Um, it was a half an hour of sheer panic. I, I'm, I'm religious, but not, not like I go to church every week or anything. But I'm actually praying. I'm saying, Lord, please, please, just, like, get me and my new bride out of here. I'll... I'll, I'll I'm making promises. I'll be at the church every single Sunday. I'll do anything. If you just please, Lord, get us out of this. And it just kept hammering us and hammering us and getting building worse and worse and worse. I'm, and uh, I'm thinking any second we're going to hit rocks. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to roll our boat. And at best, maybe we make it to an island or something. I can't see. It's just, it's just sheer whiteout. Lightning's booming. Everything's pitch black. I've never seen day turn to night so fast. And uh, all of a sudden this feeling comes over me and now my my fear just turns to pure anger. And I'm just, I'm mad. I'm mad as hell. And I'm like, just bring it. I'm like, I want to punch Mother Nature in the face. I'm like, I'm getting through this storm and and I'm not going to let anything happen to my wife. I don't care. I it don't I don't care. I got goosebumps up and down me. I'm, I'm just furious. And I'm just paying a cl- close attention to my boat, the throttle, the waves, everything. And all of a sudden, boom. Just like that, if a higher power must have heard me, my panic, and, and uh, spared our lives. And, and uh, just like that, the rain stopped. The blackness faded away. Do you remember this, honey? Mm-hmm. And it was the eeriest gray skies. And it just went flat calm. You could hear a pin drop a mile away. It was the eeriest thing I've ever felt in my entire life where it's just, just dead calm and the skies are just gray. And then all of a sudden, no sun. Remember, remember this? All the of a rainbow. sudden, the rainbow. Mm-hmm. The brightest rainbow I've ever seen in my entire life. Miles long appeared over the sky. It was something out of a movie. So it kind of reminds me of the scene in, in uh, Wizard of Oz, basically, and uh, where they're spinning in the house, and it's so gray, and all of a sudden, they, the doors open, and all of a sudden, boom, world of color. And I look out, and there's my buddy Jerry, and he's coming toward us, and I'm mad. And I look at my wife, and she's mad and scared. 
you remember what you felt when we saw Jerry coming back toward us now? Well, I was probably just relieved everything was over. So Jerry pulls up and he's like, that was one heck of a storm, wasn't it? And I'm like, Jerry, you ditched us. We could have died out there. And Jerry doesn't get too serious about anything. He just laughs. He's like, oh, you guys were fine. I'm like, <laughs> my sub pump is still pumping water. He's like, you want to keep fishing? I'm like, no, I, I think we've had enough for the day. I knew my wife was really terrified. I was actually terrified. I didn't let on at the time, but I was scared. I, I thought I messed my pants, actually. Our, our clothes are just completely drenched. We're freezing. All I wanted to do is get back to the cabin and uh, take a hot shower. So he's like, you want, you want to, uh, want me to drive, lead, lead the way back to the cabin? And I was like, no, I know where I'm at. I tried my GPS unit and actually popped on. So I followed my track line back. We pulled up to the dock. I remember Laura hopping out and, uh, basically sprinting to the cabin. I tied up the boat. We got in and, uh. We both took showers, and I don't remember talking much about it that night. So that night, Jerry and them come back, and they have some beers. And uh, we kind of talk about the storm a little bit and the fish. And uh, so what did you think at that time, honey? Well, I was like, we're not going back out. I don't know. It probably took me a few days just to, I know we did end up going out, I think the following day, but definitely with hesitation that time. So the honeymoon gets better. So basically, here's the, the, <laughs> the Reader's Digest version of the last of it. So we're there, and it's like the second week of July, and you're like, oh, you're thinking in your head, oh, it's beautiful that time of year, hot, sunny. No, 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 no. Ontario, especially Lake of the Woods, that area we were at, um, their summer basically doesn't start until, you know, mid-July, end of July. Basically, like, six weeks of summer. I'd say, like, mid-July through August is their summer. So, basically, we're still in the spring pattern at that time. So, highs typically, we found out, we didn't know that at the time, highs are typically, like, 60 degrees. That's it. Maybe you get some 70s, but the water temperature isn't warmed up. The water temperature might be upper 50s, maybe low 60s. So everything is kind of sluggish. You know, best musky fishing is actually when the water temperature hit around 70. That's that's really good musky fishing. Otherwise, <clears throat> at that time of year, you're better off walleye fishing, northern fishing. We don't know that. We're just up there to have fun and, and uh, do some musky fishing. So the weather is so bad each morning as we get up. Now, my buddy's got deep V walleye boats. So they're able to get out in even the bad weather. They're able to kind of get out and they kind of duck behind islands and can work with the wind. Well, every day that we're there, we wake up and the wind is blowing 30 to 40 miles an hour. And there's three footers every day. We got on the water. We were there a week. We were on the water a day and a half. That's it, total. That was our total time on the water. So what we would do is... Eat, we would try maybe to get out in the boat and maybe fish just inside the bay when it was really windy. And I'm, we would only be a couple hundred yards from the, 
resort and we would uh, hit some weed beds with uh, leeches and slip bobbers. We caught crappie and some walleyes, but we weren't able to get out on the lake basically other than a day and a half. So we did a little bit of fishing from the docks and we were able to catch some smallmouth and some um, crappies and that right off the docks with the leeches and slip bobbers. But as far as getting out on the water and my dream of musky fishing, it was completely squashed. Um, There was nothing to do at the lodge. They had a list of itinerary you could do each day. It didn't exist. Remember walking into the the lodge that one day hunting, we thought we were going to play pool. And here they had turned the pool table, basically they put a piece of plywood down and uh, a tablecloth and turned it into basically a makeshift buffet table. Um, we cooked all our own meals there. They didn't have any meal options, even though they said they did. So they did a cookout one night. We never saw that. There was no games. The, uh, radio that they had there, the only stations we got in were all French. Uh, there was no TV, no DVD player, nothing. So Laura and I spent our time. Remember what we would do? Played cards, drank some beer. Uh, there wasn't much in the area, so we did a little bit of hiking. They said there was some outstanding blueberry picking. We got directions to it. Uh, the blueberries are all burnt off. There was no blueberries. The only entertainment we had, remember the entertainment we had, honey? The bear dump. The bear dump. So that's where I would take my, my bride-to-be on a bear dump date every night. So we'd drive out of town about 20 miles. We'd pull up to a bear dump. Very romantic, right, honey? And uh, we would watch bears go in and out of the dump. Uh, one night we did have a little interesting thing happen. We had a guy from Minnesota pull up. And uh, he kind of asked him, how's the bear dump situation? I'm like, well, it's pretty good, you know. You see quite a few bears coming in and out. And... Uh, there's a few other vehicles usually pull up every night. So anyways, he gets out of his vehicle and he's got a white garbage bag and two little kids with him and they disappear into the dump. About two minutes after he leaves his vehicle, we see a bear cross the road in front of our truck and head right down the same path that these guys went down. Fast forward about another two minutes, we see this guy and his two young kids sprinting back to their vehicle and get in as fast as they could. They pulled up over by us, and I said, what happened? He's like, well, we're walking into the dump. We could see all these bears. We thought we'd try to get them closer with our garbage. We th- my youngest boy heard something. We turn around, and there that big bear is. Had walked in on the trail and was 10 feet behind him. He's like, we dropped the garbage bag, and we ran. Like, that's the worst thing you could do. Like, bears are predators. Like, that's prey running away from them. And luckily, the bear didn't chase after him. And, like, oh, that could have ended bad. So, that's our evening every night. And uh, I don't think the the uh, beds ever really got pushed together, did they, honey? <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, 
we were come to find out is the only water for drinking is basically what you bring in. So the water at the tap, um, there's a little sign there. It says, do not drink because the water comes out of the lake. So you're basically showering in lake water and washing your dishes in lake water. So I remember one morning I noticed this the first day, noticed the sign. So I brushed my teeth with uh, regular bottled water. And Laura goes in the bathroom and she starts brushing her teeth with sink water. <laughs> remember that, honey? Mm-hmm. She was not happy. I'm like, you're brushing your teeth with fish poop. Oh, she was furious. So the last day we were going to be in Lake of the Woods, the last full day, um, Laura and I were trying to find a road trip. There wasn't any near town nearby where we could go hang out or do anything. We were kind of out in the middle of nowhere. So anyways, we are bumming around just in the country, driving, and uh, we got back. Uh, it was probably around supper time, and Jerry and uh his brother steven had come back and uh so we we're trying to he's like oh we had we settled up with the lodge owner already so i'm like because we're gonna leave early in the morning I said okay that sounds good to me so went back to the main lodge and there was no one there the guy's daughter answers the door we said hey where's your dad Always oh, out out in town. I said, well, when he comes back, have him stop at the cabin so we can settle up with him so we can leave with those guys in the morning. The next morning, I awake. It's like 6 o'clock in the morning. I thought I heard something, so I woke up. I look out the window, and there the boys are, jumping in their vehicle and driving away. So I'm in full panic mode because I, I don't know how to get up you know, how to get back home. My GPS wasn't working all that well. So anyways, I grabbed my cell phone, turn it on, call up Jerry, and all of a sudden it goes, your call cannot be completed as dialed. I'm like, oh, I wake up my wife. She's furious. She wants to kill my friends. And uh, she's like, that's some nice friends you have there ditching us again and i oh so anyways we wait a little bit uh i knew it was early i know these people weren't exactly early risers so i waited till seven o'clock went and knocked on their cabin old ben comes to the door in his whitey tighties and he's like all grumpy what do you want i'm like well you're supposed to stop by our cabin last night so we could pay up the bill ah I was too busy, he said. I said, yeah, but we were supposed to leave with, with Jerry and his brother early this morning. He's like, I'm going to get some coffee. Meet me in like an hour and slams the door in my face. We had another hour to 8 o'clock, go down to the main lodge, knock in the office, comes in, hands me the bill, I pay up the bill. Not a thank you for staying here or... Didn't ask us about how our stay was, nothing. Just basically grabbed the money and and uh, kicked us out, and that was it. So uh, I'm kind of in stressful mode, and I'm like thinking, how the hell am I going to try to get back to Wisconsin? I have no idea where I'm at. Jump in the truck, GPS doesn't work. So we're driving out, trying to figure out, remember which way we went, left or right. I wasn't paying that much attention because I was here. I was following someone in. Anyways, we started driving around the countryside a little bit. Of course, 
that area the signs were in French. We didn't know what the heck they said, said at all. Well, that's when Laura said, hey, remember we had a brochure from the lodge somewhere in the truck. Found the brochure, and there was basically a basic map on how to get back to the border. So we end up, long story short, we ended up finding the, the main highway after some hitting some back roads and uh, made our way back down to the border crossing. And so I'm all nervous once again. And uh, we pull up, and if you ever go through the border, do not put your cover on your boat. That's just a red flag for those guys to pull you over and check your stuff. I didn't know that. So we pull up, they ask us a bunch of questions about where we were, if we kept any fish, brought any fish back, blah, blah, blah. Then they, out of the blue, the guy's like, is there any foreign bodies on your in your vehicle or your boat? So me being not very bright, I said, bodies? Like dead bodies? The guy's demeanor changes, and he's all serious now. Pull over, sir. I'm like, oh, I should not have said that. So we we pull over. They go through our stuff. Don't find any bodies, obviously. And uh, when he gets done, he's like, sir, we're looking for aliens. And now in my head, I'm like, oh, space aliens? But I, <laughs> I didn't say it. He's like, illegal aliens, sir. I'm like, okay, yeah, no, we don't have any illegal aliens in our in our vehicle as we get through the border all of a sudden my i get all the bars on my phone again call jerry and i'm uh i'm mad my wife's mad we didn't know where the heck we were going jerry's always in a cheery mode no matter what happens i'm like jerry you ditched us why why did you leave early this morning he's like well brad it was six o'clock in the morning and and i definitely didn't want to Wake up two newlyweds out of their bed at 6 o'clock in the morning. So I thought I'd let you guys sleep. So I told him, I said, we, we had no idea. We didn't know where we were going at all. And uh, he's like, well, you made it back to Minnesota, didn't you? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, you just saw more of the country then. Way more than I did. He's like, I had to look at the same scenery on the way in as same scenery on the way out. I didn't get to all that extra driving. That's kind of how Jerry's mindset is. So he's like, you know how to get back to Wisconsin, don't you? I'm like, uh, yep, I can get back to Wisconsin. So we get back to Wisconsin. And the first thing I do after I clean the boat is I put that boat up for sale. <laughs> and I sold that damn modified V. And I bought myself a deep V walleye boat. So what do you think about your dream honeymoon, honey? I think 15 years later, I'm still owed something tropical. Something tropical. Florida or something maybe all inclusive where we don't <laughs> yeah, have to where do. I don't have to cook. We, <laughs> I have Brad air quotes. We have to cook. Or, <laughs> or I mean, we had a little bit of fun, didn't we, on the trip? I mean, there wasn't all doom and gloom. Yeah, we definitely had some fun times. And the guys were very fun. Like, despite hanging out <laughs> with all your um, husband's buddies, during your honeymoon, it was, yes, they were. Yeah, so each night, uh, those guys would be out on the water. Uh, they were nuts. I, even if I had a deep V, I mean, I could have got out a little bit more, but I would not be out as much as those guys were. They're crazy. But uh, we would get back to the uh, 
they get back to our cabin every night and they would come in and drink our beer up and we'd play cards and then they'd talk about all the fish they caught that day, which really didn't, didn't help me at all and show us spots on the map and stuff. And, um, so it was fun hanging out with them, but it wasn't, yeah, it was not a romantic honeymoon by any stretch. So I guess my advice out there is guys is do not take your wife to Lake of the Woods with some buddies. Bad idea. Just bite the bullet. Go someplace warm and tropical. Enjoy the sunshine. Enjoy the beaches. Enjoy your beautiful bride. And uh, all will be well in the world. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Laura, for retelling your story. In the end, we end up having a beautiful time at Lake of the Woods. Sure, it was a dumpster fire, but we were together. We love each other. We have two children now, a one-year-old and a seven-year-old. And after I got done with the trip, like I had said, I had sold my boat, bought a bigger boat. A friend of mine that was on the trip convinced me to go back to Canada that same year in August. And it got into my blood. I've been to Lake of the Woods now eight times. And I just love going there. It's beautiful. Your cell phones don't work where we're at. We have one rule when we're in our musky camp. We'll go with around 10 guys now. And the rule is you don't talk about family and you don't talk about politics. The only thing you're allowed to talk about is muskies. So that love and that passion of all my trips now to Lake of the Woods, I compiled into a book. It's called Muskie Slayer's Bible, A Guide on What Not to Do. It's available on Amazon, and I'll leave a link in my Instagram, Twitter account, and on my homepage on Facebook. I'd like to read the last paragraph of my book, describing my second love, Canada and Lake of the Woods. I spent many a day gazing at the elegance and amazing world beneath the surface of Lake of the Woods. Over the years, I've made references to the lake being very similar to a woman in that they can be beautiful on the outside, but the special ones are even more so inside her soul. Canada's Lake of the Woods, specifically Sabascon Bay, forces you to appreciate the simple things in life. The sky, so incredible and vast, allows you to view her seemingly endless natural beauty for miles in every direction. The curvature of the earth is accentuated on such a large body of water. It's hard to understand and appreciate all that Mother Nature has to offer. Staring blankly into those puffy cotton balls in the sky can be mesmerizing. Witnessing these creature-like apparitions emerging from Mother Nature's breath transcend high above and bring to life by one's own imagination. My own dreams consist of musky eating on a full moon, a Greek warrior riding his horse into battle, and even fleeting images of loved ones lost long ago. And nature's ever-changing etch-a-sketch, the only place you can truly be yourself is in your own mind. Lake of the Woods, though far and away, brings you closer to home. A musky hunter's day is an easy one. Cast, retrieve, figure eight, and repeat. If only life we're so simple. So I want everyone out there to be safe and enjoy all that Mother Nature has to offer. If you like what you heard today, click the subscribe button to hear more upcoming stories. If you or someone you know have a survival story you'd like to share, contact me at 
I survived the wild outdoors at gmail.com. If you want to find my book, Musky Slayer's Bible, a guide on what not to do, I can be found on Amazon and I'll leave a link in my Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages. I also want to remind everyone that if you like what I'm doing here, please leave a comment or a like on whatever platform you used to listen to my podcast. Be safe, everyone, and enjoy all that Mother Nature has to offer.